0: The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit KCAlaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. All right, Colossians chapter 3. Well, this should be interesting. Um... I'll be sipping my tea occasionally, so like one of those more casual places. So if you'll bear with me, let's read the word of the Lord. Colossians chapter three, find verse one. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seating at the right hand of God. Set your mind, another version says, set your heart. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died. Everybody say that. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. As a result of the previous Verses of Revelation Therefore put to death your members Which are on the earth fornication uncleanness passion evil desire and covetousness Which is idolatry because of these things the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Everybody say once, once walked there. Yeah, once walked. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. Filthy language. Stop calling it French. Filthy language out of your mouth and do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised barbarian scathe slave nor free but Christ is all and in all. What a verses, verses of scripture. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to talk to you tonight. We give you glory, honor, praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you. Somebody asked me uh, not long ago, so what is your services like? (laughs) And um, they further defined that to say, how do you teach or preach? You have a, um, you know, is there a particular method? And if somebody asks you that, let me tell you uh, the basic um, style I have is expository messages with a thematic approach and generally exegesis. There's exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is taking verse by verse, line upon line, and breaking it down, understanding the culture and the people and the time in which it was written, understanding the milieus of the culture and so on and so forth, and allowing that then, applying that to our life to change us. Eisegesis is, some say, well, Jesus is bad. No, well, I don't think isogesis is bad. But you can't, you can't feed only on iso-jesus. Let me tell you what that is. And I'm not saying Jesus like J-E-S-U-S. You can go Google it. It's with a G. Eisegesis is taking a topic and then a lot of scripture to back that topic up to make the point that the Lord would have you make. The problem with Jesus is that people make lots of points the Lord's not making and generally twist scripture out of context and you can end up deformed in your Christianity. Given the fact that my voice is in the condition that it is, I will be teaching tonight. I'm going to teach you this is a phenomenal passage of scripture. The whole book is worthy of being studied as is every book. But one of my favorite things about Colossians is it's written to the people of Colossae and they call the apostle Paul father, but he'd never gone there. And what I like about that is that it's similar to our extensions. Colossae was an extension planted by Epaphras. Epaphras was a, uh, a spiritual son of Paul. And Paul is writing them, and he mentions Epaphras in the first part of the, of the book, of the letter. And uh, it's filled with revelation. And the particular chapter that I selected tonight, uh, chapter three, really talks about being a Christian. I called it "Living the new life." Amen. What does it mean to be a Christian? I'm writing the notes now. What does it mean to be a Christian? If you were to ask the Apostle Paul that, uh, he would probably quote you out of Colossians 2:13, and you can look there with me, and you being dead in your trespasses. Now trespasses is sin. you being dead in your sin and the circumcision of your flesh he made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses or sins. This is Colossians 2 verse 13. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. In Colossians 2 and 20 says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, you see, to be born again, and in Colossians 3, which we read, to be born again, you being dead in your trespasses, Colossians 3, 1, the text that is our main text, Circumjured flesh he's made alive to, to live together and alive, forgiven of all your trespasses. You see, when you're born again, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you translate out of darkness into the kingdom of his light. It is the most glorious, incredible miracle there could ever be. Truly. And maybe you're here tonight feeling like you're the worst rank sinner in all of Alaska. Well, the good news is, well, let me give you bad news, and then I'll give you good news. The bad news is. Is your rank sin separates you from God. I don't care how much you try to put a happy face on and try to, even you could go to church and get baptized and have baptismal waters dripping off your face. You're still going to split hell wide open if you're not born again. Jesus didn't say, go and become a religious person. He said, you must be born again. And there's many people in the church today that aren't born again. And I say it this way, if you can't remember when you get born again, you might not have. It's not the kind of, Thing that you forget. Now, furthermore, if maybe you did forget, but let me just say this. If you're born again, there's certain things in your life that won't stay in your life anymore. See, you can't say you're saved and continue to live in the rank way. You can't say you're saved. Man, I think I'm getting healed right now. Thank you, Jesus. You can't say you're saved... Pain just left my throat. Come on, James. You can't say you're saved and born again and continue to live in fornication, idolatry, to continue to lie, continue to, you know, speak your French. In other words, curse all the time and say that you're born again. The evidence of your actions a manifestation of your behavior is evidence that you are not saved. So you can say that you have fellowship with him, First John, You can say you have fellowship with Him, but if your behavior exhibits the fact that you don't, then you're a liar. No matter what your head tells you, the proof is in the pudding. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad we came to this encouraging service Wednesday night." Uh, Pardon me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 is one of my favorite scriptures. How many of you know that verse? It should be committed to memory, I believe, because many people don't really know who they are. There's an identity crisis. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, if any man, which means mankind, if any man Woman, child, be in Christ. He's a new creature. He's a new creation. The old has gone. So you might have lived in a way that separated you from God. But once you receive Jesus, He comes into your life and He makes you new. Old things are, pass away. Behold, all things become new. I got I to gotta speak to that for a moment. And that all things become new in your spirit. You still have this. If that's Jesus, just let them know. i am be with them. You still have to renew your mind. See, many people receive Jesus and they read that scripture and think that the Apostle Paul is not telling the whole truth. Well, everything's new. Everything's not new. I still got all kinds of problems. I received Jesus, you know in laws outlaws people hate me things aren't going so well i'm discouraged i'm dismayed i can't stand my life but i'm born again well welcome to being born again i mean that's what happens when you first get saved basically i mean most people don't come to jesus because everything's all awesome (laughs) most people come to the end of themselves and then it takes a while to see your life transformed So Paul wasn't lying in Second Corinthians five seventeen is that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things become new. You're made new. The grace of God that he gives you to become his child is perfect. It doesn't grow. You become the righteousness of God. Every bit of righteousness he gives you is perfect the day you get the day you get saved. That's because otherwise you couldn't become before his throne of grace. Do you get that? However, the renewing of your mind, the changing of your life, that's a process. And um, one of the challenges I've seen recently in counseling, I'm all for counseling as long as it fulfills some protocol that is vital to being counseled as a Christian. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've been counseled by non-Christian counselors before, but I'll tell you the problem with that. The main problem with that is a biblical psychology has got to be in the counseling of a believer, because if you don't take into account the born again experience and the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word how can you actually counsel somebody to a place of wholeness and healing biblically speaking so are you against non-christian counselors I think can help but you have to uh, definitely but I think you have to have an overlay of good sound biblical theology the transforming transforming life and work of the believer And so, really, I'd prefer and recommend that every believer, when you're gonna, if you're going to get counseling, and by the way, I think every Christian should get counseling. I think it should be a part of your ongoing life. Do you get counseling? Yeah, got some today. Talk to Dr. Morocco. Ask some wisdom. He prayed for me. Prayed for me to be healed. Talked to him about a couple things. Yeah, that's counsel. Yeah. I don't even have to be like sit and lie down on the couch and someone sit in front with a pad of paper. and. We all have to have counselors. Yes. So biblical psychology must take into account the transforming work of Christ in the life of the believer. So the lordship of Christ is seen in the way that we live. Good night, y'all to write that down. It's writing your notes. The lordship of Christ is seen in the way that you live. I must we'll say it again. Yes. The Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life will be demonstrated by your actions. So, you can study all kinds of theology. Learn hermeneutics and homiletics. Apologetics. Apologetics. exegetical, apocryphal. You learn all kinds of great big words. The truth is if you learn theology, uh, I'll say it the way I've said it for so many years. If you have a depth, the depth of theology in your life ought to bring a depth of transformation so if your life is not transformed by the truth of God's word, then you really didn't understand it or there's something missing. You can't separate, maybe, maybe your theology is not that deep. Throughout church history there's been schisms and all kinds of things that have taken place or people trying to go deeper, deeper in God. And I'm all for going deeper. But some people get educated beyond their own intellect and forget how to actually apply it to your life. And so they learn some kind of wow factor revelation thing, but then they live a double-minded life out there. So they can stand in front of people or in front of their small group, in front of their workers or their employer and expound them some incredible um, uh, typology in the Old Testament and tie it into the New Testament, but but they're still a jerk. The Lordship of Jesus Christ ought to play out in your life in a way that changes you and your attitudes and your actions and the way that you live. So, the way that you live, you can't separate the way that you live from the way that you believe. You've heard you are what you eat. That's not true, although it will deeply affect you. You are what you believe, though. So, if you believe that something's really, truly important, you definitely are acting on that. Our relationship with Christ is really the most important thing in life to us. Our new life is, is Christ in us. So let's look at this here. We're going to see four basic commands that Paul gives right out of Colossians here. We're going to start... With verse 2, how to live the new life. Everybody say, okay, you're about to learn how to live the new life. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, hey, listen up. All right. How to live the new life. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Another, Another version says seek, and so I've chosen seek. Put seek in a set your mind or seek the things that are above, not the things of the earth. Our seeking God is really response to him seeking us. Christianity is the only religion in all the world or ever will be where it's God reached for man and not man reaching for God. Men makes feeble attempts to try to reach for God or come in contact with the God that's within them that they forgot. I have a problem with a God who forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Christianity is Jesus, God sending his only Son, Jesus, fully God, fully man. Yeah. In fact, Colossians says Jesus is a, is a visible manifestation of the Godhead. Yeah. Wow. Fully God, fully man, sends him in to die for you and me. Our seeking God is a response to him seeking us. See, when you really understand what he did, it'll respond, it'll have a heart response, a a love response for you to seek him and be thankful and grateful to him. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Come on, everybody say seek. Yeah, set your mind or set the mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Not inward, but outward. Look upward. Is that not, don't look inward. You know, there's nothing wrong with self-examination and a Christian ought to do that. But you can get so critical over yourself and stare at yourself. I don't know if you've ever had this phenomena, but... When I'm, when I'm heavier, I look at myself and go, man, you're a fat, dude. And no, not, okay. and it seems like the more I look at how fat I am, the fatter I get. <laughs> how many of you ever hurt yourself or got an injury or a laceration? You know, kids are funny with like that. Kids, you know, God forbid your kid gets hurt or wounded, but they're, they're like okay until they see the blood. And they just freak out, you know. And and the more they stare at it, I don't know if you notice, the more you stare and sort of look inward about pain, it gets worse. Emotional pain, it's the same. You can rehearse things over and over. Don't do that. And it's interesting why he's saying not to do that. He's saying don't do that because because you died. Look upward. Look to heaven. If you then were raised with Christ... Verse three: Seek those things which are above, where Christ is seating at the right hand of God. And you got to ask yourself now: What what did He put that there? Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God? What's at the right hand of God? His presence, and of, of course, that's the next blank. We seek His presence. It's a good thing to ask for His presence to come, to seek to seek His holiness. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I don't care what the hyper-grace neo-Calvinist sermon you might have heard that really fired you up about God's love, I'm so thankful you're fired up about God's love. You separated from it unless you repent. And it's a lifestyle of repentance which you won't hear. You won't hear that message in the neo-Calvinism hyper-grace movement. Yeah, it's just that He loves you and it's all good. You can do what you want to as long as you just know that He loves you. And, and there's even some that take it to an extreme that said He died for all men, so all men are saved. That's completely throwing out... It throws out so much scripture. We seek His holiness. We seek His power. We seek to have His power released to reach the lost. Let me run that through one more time. We seek His power... To see his power released through us, not so we can walk around like we got some trophy and I've got the power. No. It's the power of God released through you to touch the lost and hurting and the broken and the sick and the halt and the lame and the withered. Yes greater works will you do than these Jesus said somebody said the greater work is salvation all right but he said plural greater work so it's not just salvation it's it's healing miracles sign these signs will follow them that believe they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so it's it's a good thing to seek his presence seek his holiness seek his power we seek his intervention we seek his intervention I'm so glad He's at the right hand of majesty, fully in control of every infinitesimal detail in your life. Set your mind on things above. What does that mean? Set your mind on things above. God's will, God's purpose for your life. Listen, you'll never be happy doing anything but his will. So you better just line up and go, well, what is it? Now, his will is revealed in his word, but then there's aspects of it that are not, you know, do I move, do I stay? Do I take the job? Don't I take the job? There's aspects of it that you are going to have to work out and let the Lord lead you. But set your mind on things above. You want his will, even though you might not know it. Some people say, well, I don't want God's will. He's going to send me to Timbuktu. (laughs) Is that an actual place? (laughs) He's going to send me to Timbuktu, and I'm going to have to live in a hut and sleep in mud. You know, the truth is, if you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength and allow him to be Lord over your life, by the time you end up going to Timbuktu, you'd have been weeping for weeks already, days, months maybe, with a burden that burns in your soul. And when you end up in Timbuktu, God begins to use you and you'll never be happier and more joy-filled than all your life. See, somehow we think that we know how to be filled with joy and happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Yeah. joy comes from the Lord right. and you'll never have the joy of the Lord if you don't seek his will right. I'm, used to, I'm remembering the emotions of being a new believer and sitting in, in service just like this and hearing as for God's will I'm like alright <laughs> not my will Lord but yours be done And if it's crucifixion, so be it." (laughs) Truth is, you'd have to put a cap on me from not doing His will now, because it's so much fun. And oh yeah, there's suffering, and there's trouble, and there's difficulty, but you overcome it all. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. All you want is His will, really. You see, when your will becomes His will, then you're really maturing. You quit kicking and scratching and hoping He's going to change everything. Oh, Oh, you've heard it so many times before. Either He's the Lord of all, or He ain't the Lord at all. And you know, I've found there's there's many moments of testing. So recently I was by a river and the fish were so thick you could walk across it on their backs. You've heard that expression except this was true. And you know there's limits in Alaska and so we limit it out real quick. But boy isn't it tempting just to want to get another fish. And all kinds of people make justification for why they would get another fish. And they know that they can get, it, get off and not get caught maybe by the fish cop. But you know, the Lord sees every fish you catch. <coughs> Take a praise break or something. I'll be right back. Some of you need to repent right now. You say, well, the state of Alaska ain't God. No, but God's ordained leadership and authority, police and so on and so forth. You want God's will and purpose for your life. And set your mind on the things that are eternal. It's amazing if you'll, if you'll take this uh, overlay in your life. Try this. The next time you get upset, which is probably tomorrow, or maybe a little bit later in this message. (laughs) The next time you get upset, ask yourself, how does this measure in light of eternity? So the upset comes at you demanding that you're right. I mean, how, how, how important is that in light of eternity? View things from an eternal perspective. I love what Mike Bickle said, he's one of my favorite teachers little bit of a different eschatology than we have, but he really stirs me for prayer and fasting. And he says it this way. He says, if you're willing to stand before the judgment seat with the fact that you're right, go for it. It calls you to rethink things just a little bit. And our reward will appear with His glory. How many of you know that God has a reward system? He really does. And I don't think it's so that we can parade around. Look at this with me. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. There's, there's really a reward. There's a reward for living for God. Listen, the fact that there's a judgment seat to me says a couple of things. One, um, you can do it. So if you're going to stand before God by yourself to give an account for your life, that means being a just God that actually he gave you what you needed to be able to overcome. That's everything that's in your way you can overcome. Because how could a just judge actually judge you if you didn't have what you needed to be able to do what he called you to do? And there's no manipulating Jesus on that day. You can fake Christianity as much as you want. But you can't fool the Son of Man when you get there. And there's 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 glory and 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 blessing for us when we appear before Him. All right, verse 5. Here we go. We're just gonna get fun now. Therefore. So you have to look at the fact that you're born again and you've made him Lord and you're going to appear before him in glory. Now, as a result of that, therefore, why is there? Therefore, he begins to say, therefore, rid yourself of, right? Therefore, as a result of you being born again, your sins are forgiven, your trespasses are gone, you're made a new creature in Christ. As a result of that... Put to death. Verse 5. Are you all Put to death your members which are on the earth. Put to death. Let's talk about that for a second. The life of a believer is a constantly putting to death. So I was talking about being on that river, walking across the river on the backs of the fish. So I put to death my deep desire to hook into another fish. Oh, don't look at me that way, Bobby. (laughs) Come on, you're standing there. They're stacked, and you're limited out, and you're like, oh, oh," and I love the other one. I had two. I just needed one more before midnight, and then I get three more, you know, after midnight. I'm like, come on. I broke my line. I'm like, come on, Jesus. I've got like three minutes before I can get, and I'm going to get a fish in three minutes because you could walk across their backs. I could not get the stupid hooked. I couldn't get it. I'm like, maybe AT&T's wrong, you know. Maybe it's really not midnight. (laughs) (laughs) And I sat there and I was like, oh, (sighs) Midnight passed, you on your next three, but you don't get to catch one and say that it went for the mm mm-hmm. Is there any fisherman in here or am I the only honest one? There's no fishermen here. You all down at the river somewhere or something. <laughs> so I had to put myself to death, my desire to go catch another fish and and bring it in. I no, that's not right. Can't do it. Can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do that. Oh, but you can't do that. Oh that, you can't do that. <laughs> So my desire, my lust for another fish had to be put to death. You need some counseling, you lusting after fish. Come on, somebody say amen. Our life is constant putting to death. A constant putting to death. You gotta put your flesh down. I'm on another nutrition thing, whatever. I don't know how many I've done. See, is this one working? I don't know, maybe, we'll see. But every nutrition plan for me is death. Because I like eating. I like eating. I mean, I really like eating. Fasting is a great way to put your flesh down. Some of you don't know how to put your flesh down. If you don't, listen, if you don't deny yourself, then you're going to have a problem in your life. You've got to learn to put your flesh down. See, he says, he says, get rid of these things or put to death. As a result of the fact that you're born again, that Jesus Christ is Lord and you're seated with him and he's in heaven and you're going to appear before him glory in glory. As a result of this, put to death, right? Put to death. And he begins to list these things. So do you mean because I'm born again, I should put to death some stuff? Yeah. Every day. And, you know, the battles that I have now are not the battles I had 15 years ago as a believer. Some things die harder than others though, but fasting and prayer is a good way to put to death. You know, your flesh is a whole lot stronger than you think. Growing up, I've shared this, there would be occasion, you know, we wouldn't serve green vegetables that the kids hated on purpose. So in other words, it wasn't child abuse by spinach. But we would try, our kids eat nearly everything from all different cultures of the world. I mean, we haven't had all the cultures of the world, but I mean, they eat every kind different kind of food and they have an international palate because we raise them that way. So it's not just hot dogs all the time, whatever, that's probably how I was raised. So we just pass that on and, and you raise your kids how you want to raise them, but that's what we did. And so when when food was served that you know they didn't like it we would make them eat it Uh, there might be some snowflakes out there that just get a little bent out of shape but i'm going to tell you something there's times when we made our kids eat a few bites of that which is going to make them vomit in their mind they're going to vomit they like, really, tears, everything. Why wouldn't you let up on them? I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm talking about put the fact that you hate that, put it down and eat it because I'm commanding you to and your flesh doesn't want to eat it, but it's good just to overcome your flesh. You see, my kids will never smoke pot because they ate spinach that they hated. (laughs) How did you tie that together? I've tried to teach them to put their flesh down. And they're still learning and so am I. Anybody else still learning? So there's certain things you should require for your your children to be put, put to death. And I don't mean like a mean jerk. But let your yes be no, yes, and your no be no. Anything else comes from the devil. Don't be all wishy-washy. And I love the story of Daniel with lettuce and salad. He's not here, so I'm just going to brag on him. It was many years ago. He said, I'm going to throw up if I eat the salad. I said, well, you're eating it, dude. So take a bite. Tears. You know, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. Tears. And so he sticks his fork in, crying. <laughs> smothered in ranch whatever it didn't matter he got that salad in and chewed on it and then immediately threw up (laughs) and we just thought all right you don't have to eat salad anymore but at least you (laughs) tried. listen your life is constantly putting to death you constantly have to put stuff to death I don't like it. No kidding. Your flesh is wild and strong. You need to tame that stuff and put it down and learn to live out of your spirit. Learn to live the new life. Learn to live fully connected and holy to God. Quit being such a fleshly Christian, lusting over everything, sleeping with whatever. Come on, give me a break. No, it's going to get fun here in a second. Put your fle- you're going to have to put your flesh down till you're dead. Then it'll really be put down. Yes, right. <laughs> he says, when's it over? When you're dead. That's when you stop putting your flesh down. He then deals with the outward manifestations that'll destroy you. Outward actions like fornication. That's sex outside of marriage uncleanness is a word another word for that is perversion found in um, uh, Romans 1 and 24 perversion it's not just the actions but the but the inward cause of those actions which he moves on to talk about the inside drive of lust evil desires Did I lose you? Are you guys all right? You having fun tonight? (laughs) The inside drive of lust, evil desires, and covetousness. You got to deal with that. You know, the secret images that are in your mind, you got to get rid of them. You have to combat those things. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You'll find that people don't just wake up one day and rob a bank. They come and say, Pastor, I don't know what happened. I woke up and robbed a bank. No, you didn't. You woke up every day for the past six months and thought about robbing a bank, planned about robbing a bank. Then you looked up robbing a bank on the internet at some internet cafe so they couldn't trace you. And then you went and made an elaborate plan. And then you robbed the bank. You didn't wake up and be like, hmm, praise the Lord, just want to rob a bank today. (laughs) No, in the same way that you started fornicating or lusting or whatever, it starts in your mind, and you're going to have to get a hold of that. Amen. You know, you can't keep from birds flying over your head, but you sure as heaven can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Yeah. I don't know what that horse riding, roping thing has to do with that. Look at four. Look at four. I'm going to drink my tea before I get on this next one. Can you ask the barista to hook me up with another one of those? Please. Thank you so much, Billy. That would really help me out. You guys getting something tonight? Yes. Good. Sex outside of God's plan is idolatry. Sex outside of God's plan is idolatry. Some of you think that God doesn't want you to have sex because he wants to steal all your fun. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Somebody sold you a bill of goods with that mess. The sex outside of marriage, it's, it's, it's taking what you can't have and making it yours. Yes. Wow. That's good I know a man who was able to overcome when he had a revelation of the ownership of the other person by the Lord. In other words, when he realized that this woman that he was with was his daughter and <laughs> I, I, I don't know I'm, I don't have any tea so I might get a little ornery right now <laughs> the, the kid who's steaming up the windows at Lake Lucille with someone's daughter tells the youth pastor it wasn't our church it's just an illustration tells the youth pastor i can't help myself <laughs> hi
1: <laughs>
0: tells tells the youth pastor i can't help myself she's so fine she's so fine i just want to make her mine so he just can't help himself and and he said well let me do you know her father no i don't really know him well he's a really big dude <laughs> And he has a lot of guns. So let me, let me just paint this scenario for you. Let's suppose you're at Lake Lucille watching the submarine races. I love using that because so many people don't know that. That's a cla- How can you watch a submarine race? You can't. There's just water, so you'd be like... So the next time you're at Lake Lucille and steaming the windows, imagine there's a tap on your window. And you look, and it's the girl's father with a 12-gauge shotgun in his hand. Of course, you roll the window down, because a little piece of glass isn't going to stop him. You can tell. You can tell that glass really isn't a deterrent. And as he sticks that shotgun in your ear hole, and commands you to get out of the vehicle, and commands her to get out of the vehicle and to get in his truck, what kind of a problem do you think you're going to have keeping your hands off of her then? (laughs) How many think he'll have a problem? No, he's not going to touch, what do you think he's going to be like, oh yeah, get away from me, and re-engage in the submarine race? No, he's gonna be like, uh, 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 okay, yes, sir, uh, uh, uh right, he doesn't want to get shot. It was a Christian man, so it wasn't loaded. Or maybe I should say it was a Christian man, so he had extra magazines. I mean, I don't know. The point is it's the fear of the Lord that caused the, the fear of the dad that caused the boy to get some self-control. Yeah the problem in the body of Christ is one of the main major problems is there's identity theft you don't know who you are and as a result of not knowing who you are you sell your birthright for a bowl of porridge and you go out and you fornicate and you do all kinds of stuff because you think that that, that that's fun or whatever and the Lord understands yeah he understands that your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else and that your flesh will take you straight to hell and you have to learn to put to death that stuff you got to put it to death sex outside of marriage is. Not not God's plan. It's idolatry, and you need to. You say, "Well, I've been doing it all these years. It didn't hurt me much." You don't know how much it's hurt you. Actually, you think it hasn't hurt you. You dumb as a box of rocks. You just think it's okay when you've you you, you haven't seen the the, the the girls that you left and the and the, the the tearing that took place in people's hearts and the boys and people that you left and the 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 spirit of divorce and just tearing and tearing. You know what's interesting? By the way, children's church is upstairs, so I'm gonna get after it just a minute. It is, right? It's Wednesday, isn't it? Okay. I see some youngsters, so I'm gonna shoot high. If it if you miss it, then pray in tongues and get a word of knowledge or something. I'm talking code. All right, I will. So in the same way that the physical act takes place is exactly what happens in the spirit. So two are united and become one, as Paul says, but it should only happen under the covenant of marriage. When it happens outside the covenant of marriage, it is idolatry and it is sin and it destroys you. And actually, you get a piece of that other person and they get a piece of you. And they have shown people uh, that there's secular psychological reports on people who have been, they're frozen in their emotions from the time that they violated God's law. Uh, Are you catching this? So let's say they did that from the time they would say they were 13 years old, kids are having babies at 12 and stuff, 13 or 14 years old, let's say that, you know, happened there, that they're frozen in their emotions from that period of time. And then they found um, schizophrenia, that's multiple personalities, correct? They have found that many people, all. Okay, I didn't say all. Those of you on Facebook, I didn't say all. Bobby, you're a superstar. Thank you. Praise break. (laughs) Oh, you almost made me spray my tea. That was pretty funny. Let's try that again. Praise break. Schizophrenia, I didn't say all, but there are reports that that talk about schizophrenia as a condition that many have in in their history, a lot of people they've had union with. Like, can't count them. And you find that those people are fractured. I'm, I'm uh, sensing a real shove of the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to say this. I'm not going to make the whole service about that right now, but let me say this about that. If you have lived a life like that and you have never prayed over those individuals and that circumstances at which that event took place, raise your hand if you're following me. For real? I've got 10 people? Really? Really? Should we just move on? Raise your hand if you're you're following me. Okay. So, once you become a believer, I'm so thankful for the wisdom that was taught to so many And it's it's still taught, and I'm teaching it to you now. Once you become a believer, you understand these principles. You're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. And if you are, you have no promise of heaven. I don't care how many times you name the name of Jesus. Okay? Fornicators don't inherit the kingdom of God. I know that's not warm and fuzzy, but I'm going to give it to you like it says. You get warm and fuzzy somewhere else. So what you ought to do which will help you break off lust and help you break off confusion and help you get freed from those past soul ties is to go back over your life prayerfully and consider the ones that you were with in a prayerful, holy way and cut every tie Take back what they took from you and give back what they gave you and declare that that cord is cut, that tie is severed, and that you're made new. In your spirit, you're made new in your mind. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. And you will find that lust pattern and that thing that you're dealing with easier to overcome. Flesh is flesh, but a spirit of lust is very different. So just just take that and 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 do that before you get married. Do that and if you're married already? Do it. Do it. And and then your marriage bed is undefiled. It's a beautiful, holy, godly, awesome thing for three purposes. One, pleasure. And all the married people said. It'd be hard to be fruitful and multiply if it was torturous. You know, God knows. Two. Two. I forgot what the second one was. (laughs) Children. 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 Three. Listen. Oneness. I believe it's the greatest at one of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare that can be done in a family. It provides a covering for her and for him and it is the most righteous, beautiful thing. In fact, I don't even like, we have like gone to marriage seminar material, what are we talking about? Jesus, help me out. Praise break. I got I to got stop there. But I'll say one more thing, (laughs) there are seasons in marriage, but generally, if that's gone out of your marriage, you need some healing, I don't care what you might rationalize, there can be physiological things and different things that happen, that's why if you base your relationship on all that, and you run into some difficulty, you know, that's terrible. Because then what's he, what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if it goes out the window for a season? I'm preaching way better than your amen, that's for sure. We better move on. God's wrath will be on those who made their who made self their God. And Romans does a great job of breaking that all down. Finally, verse eight, put away. Everybody say put away put away, it's a picture of throwing something away, put away anger, there's really two words, anger, wrath, two words, one is anger that's sort of below the surface, a brooding, a seething type of bitter anger, and then one is more of a, more of a surface type anger, short fuse, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off these. Anger, wrath, same, it's two kinds of anger. Number two, malice, that's desire to harm somebody. Verbally, I've seen people verbally harm people. I've hurt people. We don't want to be people that are malicious. Blasphemy, that's against God, but I think it's against each other too. You can defame someone. You can talk evil about someone. You don't know what they've been through. Shut your mouth. All right, I better move on. I might might get all soap boxy right there. But quit being on the Devil's Wrecking Crew therefore therefore as a result of being a new creature in Christ as a result of being seated with Christ as a result of being born again these things listen as a new believer you ought to line these things up and see how you're doing as an ongoing believer you ought to make it a checklist to see if you're qualifying it's not that you earn it but it's a fruit that's released because of the love and the power of Jesus filthy language hey mom you remember like 1975? You gave us a new soap made by Yardley. I don't know why I remember this so much, but, but, I, but I do. This is, it's a good story. And you gave us a soap that was made by Yardley and it had a rope that came out of it. And it was about this big and it was cream and it had this big old rope and we would we would hang it on stuff and I I, I would put that around my neck and try to wash my chest with it and stuff and it's like soap on a rope nowadays kids would put it on and be like be like a, song, be like a rapper or something filthy language I only, to my recollection, got my mouth washed out with soap one time, and it was in the same bathroom, I think, actually, also, that the soap on a rope, yeah, you're not going to talk like that, two or three swipes, you know, it's funny, I never said that word again, whatever it was, I I don't think I've ever said it again the rest of my life. See, some of you, 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 ought, you ought to have some consequences for stuff. And if you have a foul mouth, I don't know why I had a horrible language before I got saved. And but actually, it wasn't all that bad if I didn't hang out with people that were horrible, have horrible language. When I got on construction site, you know, bad company corrupts good character. I'd get on a construction site, and it would just go south, you know, with people that had terrible language. When I got saved, instantly it vanished. I mean. I mean, it could be the most horrible event, something happened. There is no curse. You can't make a curse come out of my mouth. I mean, I don't know, he took my cursor out. Now, I don't know why that is for one person like that, another person is not, but, but they still make soap on a rope, and I bet you could get that on Amazon. Or you could just take a small bar of dial and keep it in your pocket. And the next time you speak French, which isn't French, and make some excuse, why don't you just unwrap that and just suck on it a little bit. Because these things should not come from the mouth of a believer. I was with somebody and said, oh yeah, excuse my French. And I was just like, dude, it's not French. Oh, I didn't know you were pastor. That has nothing to do with it. Well, let's move on. Don't lie. Everybody say, don't lie to each other. Half-truths are lies. Your words are important. You'll be saved by them, and you'll be judged by them. Out of the mouth flows life and death. The power of life and death are in the tongue, says James. So speak life. Edify one another. See how many people you can build up over the rest of the week. Don't lie. Don't talk stink. Don't talk angry. Some of you need to count to ten before you say stuff. And the new life lived within the context of community. You see, the church is God's idea. It's God's idea, and this new life is supposed to be lived in the context of community. The old self is taken off. The new self is put on. No old self practices, we're right here in the closing part. New self is continually being renewed in knowledge. Let me let me say this. You have to continually study and grow in the knowledge of God. Some of you are weak and anemic in your faith because you spend zero time in the word and you spend zero time in prayer and you come, I get you for 45 minutes or hour and a half or maybe if it's really shucking and jiving, two hours. And maybe you come once a week, and I'm really glad that you do, but the truth is average male, six hours a week of TV. And you combine all kinds of video games and all kinds of stuff, you tell me who's discipling who. You need to study the Word and get fed by the Word every day. Every day when you're driving to Anchorage or you're you're taking a lunch break, come on, get some podcasts, put some worship on, read the Word, read Proverbs, read Psalms, renew your mind, grow in the knowledge of God. Start meditating on His Word day and night, as He said to Joshua, and you'll be successful in all that you do. You wonder why you're depressed, you wonder why you've got no hope. It could be that you're not actually feeding on God's knowledge, on God's Word you gotta, you got to put away the magazine, put away the movie perhaps, take some time, set aside a time to read the Word and grow. Amen. Be renewed in the knowledge of God. And we're becoming more like our Creator. That's what the text talks about, it's amazing. One day the flesh will be gone, but for now you're going to have to put to death and you're going to have to put away some of these things and if you say well I don't want to well that's up to you but don't call yourself a Christian that was really that was fun can I say that again so if you don't live in a way like this then you have got to ask whether you're whether you're really saved whether you're a Christian or not and there's no shame in saying that you're not But it's a horrible thing to say that you're a Christian and live like that. Don't do it. That's hypocrisy, it's an actor. The root word for hypocrisy is an actor. So you're an actor. I've seen people act so Christian when they're with Christians and like the devil when they're outside of that environment. I have. So how do you know that? roll up on them in a parking lot in the corner while they're holding their bag and their 40-ouncer passing the... They'd be like, oh, snap. Oh, pastor. And I, and, I, and I just want to pick on this real quick. And people that smoke, okay? I don't know if smoking takes you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. But maybe it does. It's an addiction. I don't know. It can be an idol. I don't know. If you're smoking, then you talk to Jesus about it. Okay? Right? But I always wonder when somebody who smokes and I walk up and they're instantly some people have the most incredible vanishing smoke cigarette skills I've ever seen. It's just it's gone. It's like you can't even tell where it is, this subtle hold of their palm and it's it's all in here somewhere. And it's this little swirl of smoke every so often. They're talking to you why wouldn't somebody hide the fact that they're smoking if they weren't convicted that it's wrong let me check. it's like it's like the 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 i've seen people with too much open we're getting after it today pastor alex is playing that anointed closing music but i just can't seem to do it i don't know blame it on the rain i guess know when especially especially women young girls when they when they don't feel right about their clothes how do you know that because when I walk into the room everybody's pulling their stuff up and down and it's just kind of like if you're convicted why what do you oh I might say something else right now if you do get a man or get a woman with all that and that's your way of getting one, then you, then, you, then you hook somebody in the flesh. And let me just tell you something, you don't want to hook someone in the flesh because that will be a life of pain and cursing. You want, a, you want a man of God. You want a woman of God. You want somebody can put their flesh down and you don't need to worry about whether they're gone for six months because you know he's got self-control. You know she's got self-control. We're talking about being Christians here. I don't ever have to think about my beautiful wife, ever thinking about anybody, ever. It never crosses my mind. Not once. Ever. 20 years of never wondering whether my wife has got eyes or something or, or, or flirting or never. Not once. And you know what? She doesn't think that about me either. I got fired up there for a second just about stepped out of the teaching role. We're done. Let's look at this last point. Verse 11. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, skeethe, enslaved, or free, but Christ is all and in all. We become part of a community where there should be no divisions. There should be no divisions at all. We make no division. We love the body of Christ. If it's a cult, we'll call it out. You're tearing down the Godhead, we're gonna call it out. If you don't pray in tongues, don't believe in the baptism of the Spirit, don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that's all right. We love you, it's okay. We're gonna believe that, but we're, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna make a big deal. But you tear down the Godhead, you know, declare that Jesus is Satan's brother, we have a problem with that. You start destroying scripture and making up doctrine that's doctrines of demons. We'll call that out every day of the week. But other than that, the body of Christ should have no divisions. Start ordaining homosexuals and nodding at sin and fornication. No, we have a problem with that because the word of God's real clear. If you struggle with those kind of temptations, you can get healed. You can get free. You can get delivered. You don't have to stay that way. Do you get something? All right, stand up on your feet all across this place.